Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. And uh, if you'll stand for the reading of the word, I want to read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And then we're going to read in Luke 1, 26-33 as well. Isaiah 9, 6-7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Luke 1, 26-33. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I have an assignment today, and it's to take some rather obscure scriptures and a complex story and to, to bring it in, to do a deep dive, but, but to bring it in where it's simple enough that we get it in a short period of time and really look at the miracle of Christmas. Christmas is, is, we look at the manger and we know the story, but to get to that point, y'all, it was a miracle. And, and we're going to look at some of these, maybe some scriptures you've never looked at uh, before, and I'm going to conclude our series entitled Bridges. Today is really just the bridge. We're going to talk about the ultimate bridge, Jesus Christ. Let's say a prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for the fact that you did come as a baby all those years ago, and you're the risen king sitting on the throne of your father, David. And I pray that you would make sense to, uh, of all of this to us today, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Josh Joyner and, and Jeremy Joyner, they, they work for a company that builds a lot of bridges. And, and when you build a bridge, there's a lot of planning that goes into it, a lot of engineering, Cost analysis, effort, energy, money spent, all of it goes into building a bridge. And, and when, when the company decides to build a bridge, when they commit to a contract that says they're to build a bridge, well, they're not going to stop until it's done. They are re relentless in building that bridge. Now, our God, y'all, is a bridge builder as well. And today appropriately as we celebrate Christmas, we're going to focus on the ultimate bridge. 
There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The bridge from God to man, Jesus Christ. God committed to a covenant to build a bridge. And there was a lot of planning. There was the plan made flesh. The word was made flesh. There was a lot of engineering, cost analysis, energy and effort, just resources spent, sacrifice that was utilized in building this bridge. And our God was relentless. And Isaiah 9, 6 is, is just packed full of revelation about this bridge. For instance, the phrase, a child is born, speaks of his conception, gestation, birth. He was a human being from the womb while still being God himself, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He was born of a woman. The phrase, a son is given, speaks of his being male, a son. And that he is given, the Son is a gift, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He's a gift. The Son is a gift. Uh, so much packed into this. And he would sit on the throne of his father David, Isaiah went on to say. The, the angel said the same thing when, when he appeared to Mary. We, we read it, Luke 1.32. He will be great, called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The throne of David is a subject that's mentioned a lot in the Bible. It really has its origins. If you, if you run the thread deep enough, you'll see it has its origins back in the beginning in Genesis. In the beginning after the fall of Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 3.15, God promised a son who would reverse the curse and bridge the gap, and restore what had been lost, fellowship between God and man. The devil heard the prophecy, there's a son that's going to be born that will reverse the curse, and, and they had never seen sons born before, and so I believe that the devil just assumed that that first son born, Cain, would be the one. And, and he wanted to, to thwart the plans of God. And then there was another son born, Abel. And so in one fell swoop through deception and jealousy in the flesh, I've preached about it before, he gets Cain to slay Abel. And so neither one of them would be the one that would reverse the curse. They weren't supposed to anyway. They were not the curse reverser. I, I believe they looked to Seth next, the next son, and maybe he's the one, but he was not. Then maybe Noah, the name Noah means curse reverser, but he was not. Finally, the, the family through whom Messiah would come after many years was identified. He would come from a family descended from Noah through Shem, and that would be the family of Abraham. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob has the 12 tribes. But then, okay, we know it's, it's, it's come this far, but which of the tribes is going to bear the bridge? Where's the bridge coming from? Eventually, it would be known that it would come through the tribe of Judah. Jesus would come through the tribe of Judah. But then, which particular family in the tribe of Judah? There's a lot of hills, but, but we had Caleb, Lizzie, and Alexander. Which of the families in Judah would have the Messiah? Now, I, we, it eventually became narrowed down, finally, we'll see it, to the family of David. 
the family of David. God made a covenant with David. Theologians call it an unconditional covenant. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, the, the Lord promised David, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Saul's dynasty was cut off before it even began. But David was a man after God's own heart. And, and not only would he sit on the throne, but his descendants would sit on the throne after him on and on and on forever. David's dynasty would eventually be capped off. Other scriptures testify to this. His dynasty would be capped off with one last monarch, and that would be the Messiah, the bridge, the seed of the woman that had been promised. He would be that descendant of David. He would be called the, the son of David. Are you with me so far? We're going to cover some ground here. So as the dynasty got going, it went like this. David was king, and he reigned for 40 years, and then he died. And his son Solomon became king, and he reigned for 40 years. And then Solomon died. And when Solomon died, there was a civil war that broke out in Israel. And Israel split into two separate kingdoms. The northern kingdom retained that name, Israel. And the southern kingdom uh, was called Judah. The northern kingdom began with Jeroboam as their king. He was of the tribe of Ephraim. He was not of the tribe of Judah. They had already rebelled. They turned their back on God's plan. And so Israel spiraled down deep into idolatry, and, and God judged them severely. The Assyrians wiped them off the face of the map. The southern kingdom, Judah, remained faithful to God's plan, and, and, and David's grandson, Rehoboam, was their king. But even Judah, over the next few hundred years, was unfaithful to God. And they were eventually brought into Babylonian captivity for some 70 years. Are you still with me? We're going somewhere, I promise you. Nevertheless, all of Judah's kings descended from David, specifically through David, Solomon, Rehoboam, and on and on. Now, 412 years after David became the first king, this guy named Jeconiah, ascended to the throne from the tribe of Judah. He too was a descendant of David, reigning over Judah. He only reigned for about three months, a little over three months, about 100 days. He was the last king of Judah before the Babylonian captivity. And Jeconiah had this major issue with idolatry. He was an idol worshiper trying to bring that into Judah and still worship the one true and living God. And, God. and God dealt severely with Jeconiah. This, this is found in Jeremiah 22. Listen to this. As I live, says the Lord, though Coniah or Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet I would pluck him off. I will give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those who, who, whose face you fear, the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the hand of the Chaldeans. So I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into a country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they desire to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Jeconiah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which there is no pleasure? You break that wording down there, a vessel in which there is no pleasure. That, that is literally saying you are a, a, a sewer you are a toilet. That's God talking, right? It's pretty bad when God calls you that. 
He says, why are they cast down, he and his descendants, and cast into the land which they did not know? Oh, earth, 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 or the, the wording is land, land, land. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man, Jeconiah, down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days, for none of his descendants, say none, none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. So just like that, we have a dilemma, a catch-22, a paradox. God promised David a dynasty established through Solomon and the succeeding kings of Judah, but Jeconiah was cursed. And the Lord said, none of your descendants will sit on the throne of David, which meant the Davidic dynasty stopped. It ended right then and right there. And Messiah was supposed to be the end of that, the caboose, the bridge. He was supposed to be the last descendant to fill the throne. 2 Samuel 7, Psalm 132, Acts 2, uh, others talk about that. They tell us that he was supposed to be the last one. But because of the judgment of Jeconiah, it seemed as if those promises would never take place. It was over. They would not be fulfilled. Now, y'all, this, this is huge. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping I can... Bring this out. This was huge. The devil knew that if the bloodline stopped there with Jeconiah, it was over. The devil had won. He had defeated Almighty God. There would be no Messiah, no seed of the woman, no son of David, no bridge, no curse reverser. And, and, and when, when, God, when God shut down Jeconiah and said, Jeconiah had kids. He had sons. But the Lord said, it stops right here. It's not going to happen. The devil thought he had won. We won. We, we dangled that bait of idolatry in front of Jeconiah, and he grabbed a hold of it. We got him. Even the angels had to be scratching their heads saying, but, but Lord, the Messiah is supposed to come through this rain, and you just cut it off. Let me just say this right now. Never underestimate our God. Come on now. When it looks like it's over, it ain't over. When it looks totally impossible, you can't box God in. You can't get him in a corner and you're like, I got you. No, you don't. Don't underestimate our God. I'll tell you what our God was doing. He was looking at the situation and laughing about it. Seriously, he really was. One of my favorite passages is Psalm 2. Listen to this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth, that's spiritual, that's physical. The, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and His Christ, the plan of getting Messiah into the earth. They say, let us break the bonds and pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He just laughs, has them in derision. Then, then he shall speak to them his wrath and distress in his deep displeasure, yet I have set my king. You understand. It may look like there's not going to be a king that comes from this dynasty, but I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You're my son, and this day have I begotten you. 
Ask of me, he's saying to the son, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, you better wisen up, O kings. You better learn how to kiss the son because he's coming whether you like it or not, whether it looks like he's coming or not. He's coming. Why? I said he was. Never underestimate our God. Never underestimate our God. God was laughing because he knew nothing would stop him from building the bridge. Not even the judgment of Jeconiah. Can I go ahead and say this right now? You can't stop God from building a bridge no matter how impossible it seems. When it looks like it's absolutely impossible, there is no mountain he cannot move. There is no sea that he cannot part. There is no storm that he cannot calm. I'm telling you, my God is able. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's still the Almighty. Come on now. Who in this house has the devil been whispering to you and telling you it's over? You might as well just go ahead and hang it up. It ain't going to happen. You can't tell me it can't happen. I serve a God. You've come a day late and a dollar short. I serve a God who works miracles, signs, and wonders. Come on, give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. I love it. The Lord laughing. He's telling his holy angels, you watch this. His ear's not heavy that he cannot hear. His arm's not short that he cannot save. He's a bridge builder, and he's building a bridge to you. To get you out of what you've been struggling with and into your promises. Now, how did the Lord Get out of this jam that he kind of made for himself. How was Jesus, the promised Messiah, born through the royal bloodline of David, even though God had cursed and cut off the line of Jeconiah? Well, the solutions would be, the solution would be twofold. First, there are two genealogies of Jesus in your Bible. They're found in Matthew and Luke. Matthew traces Joseph's lineage. Joseph, you'll remember, is Jesus' adoptive legal father. And Joseph goes back to David through Jeconiah and Solomon. Luke traces Mary's lineage. And she goes back to David through David and and another son of Bathsheba and David's. Not Solomon, but Nathan. She was a descendant of David through whom a king could come. But Joseph was not because he came by way of the Jeconiah connection. And here's the kicker. Jesus had no earthly father. Jesus was born of a virgin. Mary was a virgin. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she conceived. The problem of Jeconiah was solved through the virgin birth. And here's the point. This was not a surprise to God. 
Because some 400 years before the curse of Jeconiah, God inspired Isaiah 7.14 and said, To the house of David, if you look at verse 13, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And then the reading we had, verse 6 of chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Obviously, the virgin gave birth. And the government will be on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom in order to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord has accomplished this. The idea was God already knew in advance. The virgin birth was alluded to in Genesis 3.15. He said, There was this promise coming through the seed of the woman. It was unusual wording. The seed of the woman. 53.2 of Isaiah. The virgin birth is alluded to again. Like a root out of dry ground. My point is this. God had already engineered the solution before there was ever a problem. When Jeconiah was cursed, who was kin to David through Solomon, God already knew Mary would be kin to David through Nathan. She hadn't even come on the scene yet. That's far in advance, far in the future. But the solution was already in place. God had engineered it. And you think your dilemma is too big of a problem for God. You're like, how can God fix this? I've messed it up so bad. I've gotten all kind of stuff out of of whack. There's no way God could fix this. I'm going to tell you something something right now. He's already engineered the solution to your situation. He's already working behind the scenes in ways that you cannot possibly imagine. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God knows how to get you out of your mess. Amen. Can you relate to that? God can get me out of my mess. Has God ever gotten you out of a mess before that nobody else could? Amen to that. God knows what he's doing. Now that's only part of the solution. There's another part. Are you with me? It's a Bible study today. Originally, under the law of Moses, a woman was not entitled to inherit her father's estate. That was passed on to the sons. And the woman, now she would receive a dowry which would be like uh, an inheritance she could get a, a dowry but but the inheritance went to the sons but early on in numbers 27 and numbers 32 and I'm sure that you spend a lot of time reading the book of numbers if you don't you ought to try it especially when it's bedtime because you'll be out within a matter of verses <laughs> sorry lord uh, but it's true In Numbers 27 and Numbers 32, we see the daughters of a man by the name of Zelophehad. Zelophehad. And and they petitioned Moses for an exception to this inheritance rule. You see, they they came to him and they said, look, our our dad died in the wilderness. And we have no brothers. He had no sons. And, And when we get in the promised land, that means that since he died, there's no estate for us to inherit. We have no brothers and we can't inherit anything, but when we get there, we want to inherit. We need an exception. We're we're unmarried. We have no brothers. And and we don't want to be left with nothing. We want an inheritance. I, I love these old girls because they're bold. Listen, 
they come into the face of Moses. You know, the guy that glowed on top of Mount Sinai and met with God face to face. Moses, the lawgiver. And they come in the face of the law that God had given. They're like, we see what your law says and we're, we don't like it. We're written out of the inheritance. We won't. What belongs to us. Now, there's something even deeper than that. It's such a faith move because, listen, this is prior to Jordan. They haven't gone into the promised land yet. They're fighting for a victory that has yet to be won. They're saying, I want my piece of the pie, even though it hadn't happened yet. I know it's going to happen, and when it happens, we want a piece of it. We want an inheritance. I love that kind of attitude, man. And I think God does too because the Lord... Moses said, it says Moses went to the Lord. He's like, God, what should I do about these five women? They're driving me crazy. And the Lord said, what they asked for is right. What they asked for is right. I think that, that God put that in there that way to see if somebody would rise to the occasion and say, God, I got, I got a problem with this. I'm challenging you on this. It, it wasn't an arrogant thing. It was, I want a piece of what you have promised. I love that. I want a piece of it. Why am I not in this? I want to be part of it. Enlarge my borders, Lord, like the prayer of Jabez. I want a piece of this. And the Lord said, the Lord said, what they have asked for is right. But there's a problem. One problem being answered creates another problem. The problem is, if they did marry, say, a man outside of their tribe, these five girls were from the tribe of Manasseh, if, if they married somebody from, you know, the tribe of Ephraim, then the, the land they inherited would eventually be absorbed by their husband's tribe, and the tribe of Manasseh would, as a whole, lose ground. So the Lord said, yeah, I'll give you an inheritance, but if you marry outside of your tribe, you'll lose your inheritance. What, what you can do, though, to keep it is to marry within your tribe. And guess what? Mary's father, Heli, had no sons. She had no brothers. Mary was only entitled to an inheritance if she married Within her tribe, the tribe of Judah. And guess what? She did. Joseph was from the tribe of Judah. So over 1,700 years before Mary and Joseph, and 800 years before Jeconiah, the rules were changed that allowed Mary to inherit what legally, listen, she had to inherit in order for Christ to legally access all that belonged to David. So he could be the lion from the tribe of Judah. And you think your problem's too big of a challenge for God. Are you kidding me? You think he can't handle that situation, move that mountain, part that Red Sea? You're like, this is just too much for my God. There ain't nothing. Is anything too hard for God? I'm telling you, he can fix your situation. He'll move heaven and earth. Stand with me right now. It was astounding, y'all. It was astonishing the foresight and the wisdom and the engineering that made the miracle of Christmas happen. 
Come on now. And on this Christmas 2019, the Lord has sent me to tell somebody that God is relentless. And He never gives up. He's a bridge builder, a master bridge builder. And He's engineered it all in advance. Nothing throws Him. Nothing stops Him. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Him, He'll work all things together for the good of those who are the called, who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. He'll work it, y'all. He'll work. He knows how to work behind the scenes. He's already engineered it. Hallelujah. He knows right where you are. He knows the bridge that you need. I mean, He is the mediator. Born of a virgin. Born of a woman. Born under the law. Lion from the tribe of Judah. Sitting on the throne of His father David. With all power in heaven and earth. And He looks at us and says, Why don't you come boldly to this throne? I know how to get help to you in your time of need. I'm full of mercy and compassion. I've got a plan. Just put your trust in me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.